0: Welcome to Journeys to Mount Shasta. This is Yichen. Today we're going to talk about The Mountain is Calling, I Must Go. So today we have a special guest and uh, Linda Hale who has been living in in Mount Shasta for many years. So she will be the one to share with us The Mountain is Calling, I Must Go, how she uh, went through this experience that eventually ended up moving to Mount Shasta. And Linda has been a spiritual healer as well as a shamanic uh, healer for many years and has been serving public you know, and serving her friends and families, you know, in Maoshasa area. So she will have a lot of things to share with us today. So I would like to uh, welcome Linda to be our special guest today. So, hi, Linda. Welcome.
1: Hi, thank you so much. Thank you.
0: So we're talking about the mountain is calling I must go. And uh, I also have this kind of experience. But uh, today we're going to, you know, have you share with us your your experience with Mount Shasta. This is a special mountain, sacred mountain that a lot of people that drawn to it and eventually move there for at least a uh, At least a few years or, you know, a period of time. So, yeah, why don't you share with us whatever comes to you?
1: Okay. Okay, well, how the mountain called me is I uh, was on my way to Portland, and it was in 1978, and I had a small motorhome, and I had two children, and I had planned to drive all night to get to Portland because we had a family cabin by Washougal, which is just out of Portland. And so as I drove by Mount Shasta, I saw the KOA campground sign. And it wasn't dark yet. And I got to weed. And the message was to turn around, which I did. I went to the KOA campground and meditated, put my kids to bed, and had this meditation of this wizard come to me who kind of looked like a Gandalf. I Later on, I found out it was somebody else. But he told me that I should come to the mountain every year. And I was married then. So the commitment was to come one week a year, and I would meditate, and I would fast, and I would do all that. So I did that for like five years, six years before I got a divorce, and then I was told, like Yi Ching is going through, that I should come more frequently. So then I developed a whole different relationship with the town and the people and really made a connection. Um, not that I didn't before, but it, that week was more of like walking, you know, on trails by myself and fasting. And I was continuing my meditation with this wizarder type person. And years later, long time later, like 20 years later, I found out it was um, Melchizedek. He did not re, um, reveal himself for years but I was supposed to follow his directions. And I did, because the, I was connected. And once I started coming more frequently, I had a very different relationship, not only with the people, but the mountain itself. Because I was directed to come here on New Year's, I came here on the 11th, the first 11-11. And I meditated, um, <clears throat> you know, November 11th, 11-11. So each time, but the difference was, and I Ching has gone through this, I know, we follow directions. And that's the difference in the shamans. When they say turn right, I would turn right. Or if I would go to a place and I think, well, why am I going here? Mm-hmm. And sometimes more was revealed later on, quite a bit later, not that moment, as to why I had met a person or like Yi Ching and just different people. And that was sort of the magic of the way the mountain works. Plus, I've been very lucky to meet people from all over the world because we had a store here. So we, I would have people come in and tell their unique stories and I wish I had tape-recorded them, of how the mountain called them. Each story is completely different. I've never heard two stories the same. Mm -hmm. Um, Very unique and mystical, really. And then other times they were told just to, you know, walk on the mountain, turn right, go here, go to Sand Flat. And the popular place is Panther Meadows. But on the other hand, there's so many more different type of places too, that I wouldn't say more everywhere in town. And that's the misconception they used to come in the store and say, where is the vortex? And I wanna say everywhere. And I mean that because some are stronger than others, but on the other hand, um, some of the oddest places, you you just feel the vibration. And when you come up in, I Ching and I talked about this recently, when you come up by the Castle Craigs, and I just had it happen again after all these years, is it feels like there's a gate that opens. And it feels like, it's sort of like a, a mystical gate, like it would be to a castle. And then once you go through that gate, you can feel the energy that far down from the town. So it's everywhere. Yes. So, and I've continued doing that. I mean, even though I live here, I still follow directions as far as where to go, what to do, and <clears throat> what type of ceremony. A friend of mine recently was with me with ceremony. And he said to me, are you done? And I said, yeah, I'm done, because I don't make a big deal of it. It's like when Yi Ching was here, we do a little simply, simple, say the prayers, and that's complete, because that's the guidance that we both receive. Not you know, not to make a big deal of it, not to draw attention, but just to connect with the mountain in the most intimate, small way sometimes.
0: Yes, uh, thank you, Linda. And uh, just to give uh, everyone a little bit uh, update about Linda and I that we both lost our loved one (laughs) last year okay so uh, we are actually uh, getting help from uh, Linda's mother uh, Lillian and uh, my partner Ray they are on the other side and helping us to do our work as a teamwork okay and uh, so Linda was talking about uh, her experience here With the Mount Shasta, and then you mention a name, Mackiesedek. So I'm sure that's not a real person in person, right?
1: No, it's it's somebody that's passed on. It's like the Great White Brotherhood or the Apostles or whatever. He's a ascended master, and then the other people that are connected to the mountain are the star beings that are now, you know, haven't walked on Earth. They're they're just here. And they're said to be in Mount Shasta, in Peru, in the Himalayas, and um, one other place, I'll think of it, the one in France, um, the Matterhorn. And they reside to keep the world kind of balanced. And as we're going through what we're going through, uh, we're, we're really praying to them more. You know, and even Melchizedek then always sort of made things light and funny, but We were going through the 9 11 and just various different things that they're very present then. And that's why people from Japan and very, or China come here to reconnect. I mean, now with the pandemic, not as easily, but so many people came here yearly to connect with the mountain for all of those reasons to keep the world balanced, to keep the prayer going. And Melchizedek is just a very high being that, you know, doesn't reside in the earth. But, you know, I'm lucky enough that he contacted me, you know, that I was able to do that. And like I said, I had no idea. And including the Brotherhood and the Star People, uh, I was connected with them in 1992. I did a vision quest, and I didn't know who it was. They came to me when I was out on a quest. And then uh, two years ago, I was in Peru, and the same people showed up at uh, Machu Picchu and the, not the same situation, but the same beings were there to just remind me of all of this balancing that I needed and the world needs.
0: Yes, yes. So uh, Linda mentioned about like uh, Ascending Master. So if you're on this uh, spiritual uh, uh, awakening, enlightenment, and in spiritual journey, I'm sure you know some of uh, Ascending Master. And each Ascending Master uh, they are different, but uh, they are all here like uh, angels, guardian angels, archangels. They are helping us, helping Mother Earth, helping us to increase our uh, consciousness. You know, so uh, that's very good. And then Linda, just, uh, you just mentioned about a word, Vision Quest. Yes. So, you know, if you would like to kind of uh, share with us, what that means, because sure. some people may, may be new to this. So vision quest, I think is a very uh, special wor- word that uh, we, we constantly hear that. Right. So how, how do that... How does that vision quest apply to our spiritual journey?
1: Mm -hmm. Well, it can be any which way. It can be very um, more, uh, when when I say use the word rugged, I don't mean necessarily, but you can go out in the wilderness and stay, you know, for three nights and, you know, pray and fast and do all that. But you can also do a vision quest. Let's say you're not really up to go hiking and being out in the woods by yourself. But you can actually do a vision quest and make that decision. And usually going, let's say you're writing a book or you're going through life's changes or like even you've lost somebody and you really need to go inward. So you could actually go, and when I say this, depending upon where it was, some little motel or a cabin, and you could still do it. But the one thing that I would say as you're going through this is not not an isolated situation. You really need support why would you do a vision quest why do you need to do it right now and very often i've done all different types of ones but very often people don't know they just are drawn to the word vision quest and once you get into it you begin to realize people are not happy about this but often it's not just a spiritual quest it's actually healing some of your ancestral challenges because a lot of times that when i've you know supported people they go oh i thought i healed that you know or you know, whatever it might be, or it could even be an eating disorder. Like if you decided to fast, and all of a sudden you're drawn to sugar, and you, you, you can't fast. So it just opens up a Pandora's box, but there's a certain preparation in it. It's not something you do last minute. You just say, oh, I'm going to do a vision quest. Normally, I suggest that you prepare for like six months. And what I was told, because I didn't know nothing about vision quest, and I talked to Charlie Tom Red Hawk who was a master guy here in Mount Shasta, he said, I want you to go out once a week. I want you to fast. I want you to go for a walk by yourself. And usually I do like five hours down in the Bay Area. And I'd go to a remote area that was over by the beach, uh, by Half Moon Bay. And I would spend five hours by myself in the forest. And I did that in preparation. And whatever came up, I kind of, sometimes I journaled about it. Sometimes I drew about it to prepare me for a vision quest. Why would I do it? What was the reason? What I didn't know is I was preparing, and so when I finally did mine, we had 25 people, and I went out on my quest, which was a very tradition, going out in the woods and doing a sweat lodge and doing that, and Charlie Tom came and got me and said, okay, you're done, come back in. What I didn't know in <laughs> the way he worked was I came back in, and the reason I came back in wasn't from my own mystical experience, was he wanted me to support people going on their quest. But he would say to me then, when, we, when you do your quest, you can do it your way. And that's really how I developed my own quest in supporting people that way, whether they're sitting in a you know, a little cabin by the beach, or they really want to do a traditional one where they really prepare and go deep and be out in the woods, you know, for three to four days and then coming back in and having sweat lodge. Not everybody has that available to them, nor is it something they want to do. Yes. You know, I've had people who freak out, you know, the fact of A B they've never been alone. I mean, that's, I'm an only child, so I've been alone most of my life. <clears throat> so when they'd say to me, I have never been alone, let alone out in the woods. I mean, I didn't always, you know, push him to do it. But the, these other situations would come up. And then, of course, other internal situations. And very often, I remember one guy, Victor, and he was a supporter. And we were in the sweat lodge, and he was supporting his person. And then he started talking about his life and what he wanted in his life. And he wasn't questing. And what he started talking about was he wanted to get married. He wanted to have a family. He was an engineer. He you know had a great job. And today he is married and has all those. So the vision quest being a supporter, you can do your own magic and create things as you support other people. It's not just about your own. That's why it's sort of important to have somebody supporting you for their journey and yours.
0: Yes. Yes. Because we know every we are all connected. So, you know, right. helping other people, you know, it's also helping us to uh, involve, evolve, to improve our life, right. you know. So, okay, very good. Thank you, uh, Linda. And uh, I would like you to t- share with uh, our audience what do you do right now in Mount Shasta, you know, and... Uh, Uh, what kind of surveys that you provide to the public.
1: Yeah, thank you. Um, Up until the pandemic, I was doing groups, and that's actually how I met I Ching and Ray. Um, I was doing sweat lodge, and I haven't really started doing that quite yet because of the pandemic. I've been kind of freaky about it. But I'm still doing private sessions. Um, My perfect way of doing things is having people come, and I take them for a walk. you know, And then what I find rather than sitting across from each other and doing a journey and, you know, deep meditation and all that. As we're walking, all kinds of stuff comes up. So I still do private sessions and I do groups. And um, I have done women's groups, but I I kind of like having men in the group because I think they bring a different balance that's necessary for women. And we can always use help in doing things. So um, and, and that could be anything. A lot of times I'll take them to a sacred space. Um, and that's part of the journey. We'll start maybe with a a fire uh, because, like I said, I haven't been doing sweat lodge yet, but uh, I would start with a fire and sage everybody off, and then we'd go over to wherever it is, Nay Springs, or up to Sand Flat and do ceremony up there and go for a walk and just see what the mountain tells you. A lot of times I've had people literally lay on the ground, and I even put often, um, like, uh, music on and have them sing along Uh, to whatever the native song is or something because once you get into that higher, higher consciousness of any kind whether it be with drumming or singing you go into this mystical part and I'm always interested especially in groups I love doing groups and because at that point for me the group is the one I can have a plan but I'm very adaptable because the group is the one who plans it I don't I'm with spirit, and so it's really important for me to follow the energy and to see whether – I'll ask people, you know, what's coming up. One of the groups I did, every person in it was like six or eight people, and each person had a person that was communicating to them, like we're talking about Ray and Lillian, that were on the other side because I started my schlup, and then what ended up happening <clears throat> is a person told me about their – dad who had passed and he was here. And that's how it sort of opened up. I'm very good at listening and following the energy as to what the group is. And so every person in that group had somebody that was communicating to them. I could not predict that. It it just kind of evolved. But it was really beneficial because we were talking about the wisdom keepers and the people and how they influence our lives. Even though, you know, when they're on the other side, and very often people negate that. They think, oh, you know. And one woman had a teacher that she had never met. It was a Native American teacher who was teaching her from the other side. She's known about that for several years and was her guide. So it's always very interesting for me to see where the group goes. So I like to follow their energy.
0: Yes, I think as light workers like us, we are actually just facilitator we are not the one create the healing right. or we are not the one to you know make those things happen It's the spirit spirit they're doing that right and then because of a uh, vibration and the energy are different from every single individual so when uh, when the group come together you have an entire group's energy as well as individual energy vibration, that is going to uh, spark out some kind of uh, connection or relationship that needs to be addressed at that at that right moment. So that's good because uh, you know when you're ready or when the group is ready, that's when the healing is going to come up, come on, and then that's that's how we're going to. Uh, progress and moving forward how about share with us that one thing that you remember clearly when you knew that the mountain is calling I must go you know what experience or what kind of event event triggered that
1: yes yesterday I was thinking about that On the 11-11, like I mentioned, there was this meditation over at Stony Brook. And Sally Moon, who was on KEST radio in San Francisco, and I was on the same station, had this meditation. And my mom and I were in the meditation, and it was lovely. And everybody in there had white on, and my mom and I had dark colors. And this woman asked me if I would sing a song, and so I sang something fairly silly and simple. And that weekend, my mom and I put tobacco down on there's a street called Ivy and we said we wanted to move here and we put the tobacco down and i was thinking of this yesterday the where we put the tobacco down is almost equal distance from my house and where her condo was and i didn't move here i moved here i bought my house in 96 but i moved here full time in 1998 which was 20 years later from when I had been introduced and my mom moved here within a year. And like I said, it was the same distance of where the tobacco was. And that's kind of, and at that point we knew that we needed to be here when we put the tobacco down. I don't know if it was the 1111 or if the mountain called us or what, uh-huh. but it was a very clear communication that it was necessary. And so that, you know, it was just in that, you know, in. What people don't understand is when the mountain calls you, um, especially living here, in the very beginning, it's really wonderful. But if you you have any dark shadows or parts of your work that you haven't done, the mountain draws that out also. You get to be very aware of what needs to be done. And I've known people literally that pack up their car and leave in the night because I've talked to them and one woman that when my mom was moving in here I asked the woman, because she was going to be setting up a retreat in Hawaii. And and she said, I've been here through the winter. And I said, well, how did you, you know, she was saying how great it was, the mountain called, and now she has a retreat center in Kauai or somewhere. And I said, well, how did you do through the winter? And she said, terrible. And I started laughing, because the winter solstice brings up everything that's unfinished. She was glad, this was like April, and she was glad to be going to uh, Kauai. to to go to this retreat center. She said, I don't want to do another winter like that. So people are often surprised as to how the mountain works. It's not always, you know, mystical and fuzzy and all wonderful things. It makes you go through your paces, you know, because we're living this enlightened experience and that that means suffering and challenges and life.
0: (laughs) Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, thank you, uh, Linda, to uh, being with us today. And, uh, yeah, we were definitely uh invite you over more often because i think we have a lot of things we have to share to the world and Mm, uh share the mount shasta with the you know to the world that people they can
1: storytelling yes right,
0: yes so thank you again and then we will see you sometime soon
1: perfect thank you so much for having me i really appreciate it have a blessed day okay thank you everybody bye-bye
0: Okay, thank you. Yes, bye-bye.